Welcome to Fifth Words, We Need New Stories. Episode 10. This bonus episode features the playwright Zodwanyoni in conversation with the director of We Need New Stories, Anastasia Osei-Kofer, about the making of the dramatizations. Hi, I'm Anastasia Osei-Kofer, and I'm the director of We Need New Stories, a set of audio dramas written by Zodwa Nioni. And I'm with Zodwa right now. And uh, we just thought we'd have a chat and talk about the experience of making these lovely pieces. The wonderful experience. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I have had such a great time engaging with these mm. pieces. Thank you, Zodwa, for writing them. No, thank you. Like, I think what's been really wonderful in like this whole project is seeing how the stories evolve because we began with like the source material of the uh, group of people who volunteered their stories and talking about kind of their migration like into Nottingham and then from them being handed to me and then trying to find like the creative element in the mix of this process and then it's been really lovely sort of being in the studio and then watching you as the director working mm-hmm. with the actors and you go ah oh, there we go it comes alive that's the thing when you hand it over to the yeah. next step and you go oh, this is fun this <laughs> is drama um so yeah I have a few questions for you mm-hmm. what themes or commonalities did you notice when listening to the interviews what did you sense or realize just listening across them I'd say for the first theme was about home home and place and whether or not we're talking about the home that they're leaving or the place slash home that they arrived to. Um, there was about familial connections and how those connections exist with distance. Um, and then there was about identity and trying to find a sense of self in a new location and what happens to that sense of self that existed in Zimbabwe and then how does it like morph itself when it arrives in England and starts to find um, kind of new connections and new environments um, to exist in. There was about, uh, I think politics did come up quite a lot. Politics, society and culture came up a lot. And how those things existing beside each other influence like the the environments that they live in. Mm. Um, And yeah, so I think those were sort of the kind of the frequent themes that were coming up. And what was interesting is that at the different points in which each person either um, leaves said place and arrives another place um, affects the experience that they have there. Mm. So, for example, you know, the experience of, you know, um, Nottingham in 1973 is very different to the experience of sort of Nottingham in 2019. Mm. And those things were really interesting to see. Oh, amazing. Mm. And like, how did realizing or clocking those things impact you? Um, I think being somebody who also migrated to England, I, I did it twice, actually. I did it when I was four, then I did it again when I was 11. Mm-hmm. There's certain things that came up that I realised, and specifically, like, dealing with stories of other Zimbabweans, because I felt like a lot of the times I wasn't coming across um, a large Zimbabwean community where I was. Mm-hmm. Or even at the point that I migrated, the people that I knew were... So my, my dad was in the... was studying. Mm-hmm. So the, we were either you know, 
academics or we were the children of academics. So mm-hmm. that was a particular group of people mm-hmm. that you knew. And then like over the course of the years, let's say, because we second time we moved was in 99. So by the time you're sort of hitting like the early 2000s and economy in Zimbabwe is um, crumbling, mm. you then get a lot of like refugees and asylum seekers. So that was a sort of new group of people that were kind of coming into um, England. Mm-hmm. So what was nice, I'm thinking like reading, listening to the stories is that certain things that I struggled with at the time when I didn't have like that community, it was nice to see that they existed in those stories too. Mm. So they were equally struggling with the ideas of like place mm. and struggling with the ideas of like identity. And understanding like how this culture, specifically in the British culture, deals with difference Mm -hmm. and deals with racism Mm -hmm. and things whereby, for example, somebody not learning your name and giving you like an anglicized version of your name. Mm -hmm. That in itself is a brutality. Mm -hmm. But at that time, you know, when I was younger, I was like, oh, maybe it's just a cute name. And then as you get older, you go, actually, no, there's nothing cute about that. Mm -hmm. And then seeing those elements in other people's stories and you go, wow, okay. It was all of us. Like, we have examples of these things. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. Mm. Like, these are the people that you didn't know. And didn't even know. And yet you realise that you are sharing uh, so many things and experiences. And it's so important to have that community. Because I think sometimes when you deal with these things, like, in isolation, sometimes it's really difficult to see your own turmoil with clarity. Mm. But then when you sort of see certain experiences like reflected with the people, then you go, actually, no, the weight of certain things is, isn't just on me, actually. Mm-hmm. It's about how we're experiencing like this new place. Mm-hmm. So how do we either recalibrate or challenge something in order for us to sort of find a sense of peace within ourselves? Yes. So I think I was quite lucky in the sense that over the years, like my family grew here. So we had that community within us. But then outside of that, I think I'm learning like more and more like where do you go to find like an extended like Zimbabwean community Mm -hmm. and specifically one that is also like a group of millennials. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important because my experience won't necessarily be the same, for example, as like my parents' experience Mm -hmm. because they had a sense of like themselves and adulthood when they came, whereas like I was still a child. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're being told that you're also from elsewhere, but you're also from here. Mm -hmm. So when you meet other people who are around you, your age, 30 something, you go, yeah, you know, I know what you mean about like, Mm -hmm. I don't have a very early memory of like you know Zimbabwe but like I know what it means to sort of still carry that culture with you but then also trying to figure out in this place and you go okay great thank you come be my tribe (laughs) yes that's so good Mm. and like connected to that like what parts of your story kind of rose prominently in your mind as you were hearing their stories um I think it's the things that I hadn't put words to Mm. and specifically I think the the pain that I hadn't put words to Mm -hmm. and when you listen to other people's stories you realize that there's certain things like the notion of existing in survival mode Mm. a lot of us are doing that Mm -hmm. and existing in survival mode isn't necessarily um this badge of honor that comes out of like crisis and it's a traumatic response So how do you then, you know, uh, cleanse that out of yourself and then start to live authentically? Mm -hmm. Because I can't exist in that um, hypervigilance, like Mm. all of the time. So when you listen to a lot of the stories and whether or not they say it explicitly or like they say, you know, in between like the lines, you go, I recognize what that is. Mm. And I recognize actually how loud it was, you know, five years from now versus it is, you know, last week. Mm -hmm. And you realize actually that, 
sometimes it might just be that the length of time it took to build that survival mode is going to be the same amount of time it's going to take for you to get out of it. Yeah. So it has to be like this constant work. So you hear it, you know, in the stories of people who came, you know, in the 1970s. There's certain things that still kind of like kind of twinge Mm. within them and you go, oh, that little drop of pain is still there. Mm -hmm. So it's going to take a bit more time for that thing to kind of come out. Mm. And then for some other people, it might actually be like the backbone of like who they are. Mm -hmm. So they're going to have to learn, you know, how do I make room for other things? How do I make room for joy? How do I make room for love? Mm -hmm. How do I make room to just see this place as like, home and not just like a space where I just exist Mm -hmm. because for a lot of the stories we're talking about a good 10 15 20 30 40 years Mm -hmm. and for some people I think it must have been um Magdalene's story when she says that she only realized that this was home when her grandson was born in Mm -hmm. 2006 Bearing in mind, I think Magdalene came here, what, in the 1960s and 70s? Mm-hmm. So that's a very long time for you to come to the realization that that is home. Mm-hmm. And it's like, for me, I was like listening to these stories and I was like, wow, like I need to equally tap into the fact that actually this is, this is home, mm-hmm. actually, you know, and, that, and that's okay. And mm-hmm. accepting that this is home doesn't mean that there's a great loss yeah. in something. It's just that th- this is part of my whole story. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you were talking about survival mode and I just mm. wonder about the survival mechanisms or tactics or that that you saw in them that you know you adapted yeah. in your survival mode too. Yeah, I think it's, it comes up, for example, um, in Nicole's story. And actually there's an element of it as well in Rita's story where you are feeling the weight of something, feeling the pain, feeling the loss, feeling the trauma. But actually, you don't have the space and the time to cry. Mm. You don't have the space and the time to break down because Mm. I have to, you know, excel. Mm. I have to find a path of making good of coming to this place. Mm. Or I have like children or grandchildren to take care of. And, you know, back home, I've got mothers and fathers to take care of back Mm. home. So and there's so many people that depended on me, you like Mm. to do well here. And so I've got to like bottle this thing up and then put it to the side and I'll cry tomorrow. I'll cry next week. I'll cry next year. I'll cry 10 years from now. But from right now, I have to kind of just keep my head down and keep going. And I think a lot of us kind of do that. And that gets stored up inside of us. And then what happens is sometimes it'll be like a random thing that'll break you. You know, like, you know, just a bird flying overhead and you're like, oh my God, like, oh my loss. And it will happen. And that's the thing because... We can't selectively numb. Mm-hmm. At some point, everything, you know, will need to kind of come out. Yeah. So it's been interesting kind of seeing those little like nuggets like in people's stories and you go, actually, we all have this work to do. And I think when we look at migration and the way that migration is discussed, a lot of it is always about um, money or jobs that they're taking. But mm. a lot of migration, the migration process really is like psychological mm. and it is emotional. And we have to talk about those things too, because they linger a lot more. Yes, absolutely. Mm. That's powerful. <laughs> and it's not thought of. No, not thought of. Not thought of at all. And yeah. it's not until you start having conversations with people that you realize, for example, I remember this one time going to see a therapist after like we had received like our um, indefinite leave to remain and she talked about the immigration process 
as PTSD. And I was like, no, it's not. And she was like, yeah, it is. And I was like, no, because PTSD is when you have like this physical trauma and it's this big thing over here. And she's like, no, 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 this is it too. It can exist in this way too. I'm like, okay, that's the bit that we need to talk about because if we don't put words to that, we'll minimize that and be like, no, but at least... The trade-off is I got my citizenship. So mm-hmm. everything is fine and great now. And actually, no, those things need to be talked about too. And did you find it a challenge to confront the emotions and the memories that these stories brought up in you and reminded you of whilst you were on this project? You know, it's interesting because I've I feel like I've been doing my work. I've been doing my work to recognize. Um, what the experiences were. Mm -hmm. What is the weight of like my trauma? And what do I do with that? Mm -hmm. And being able to, for example, like doing my writing, you know, Mm -hmm. that in itself has become like my way of going, I need to purge this thing. Mm -hmm. So I began in like poetry, then moved to theater, then doing television and doing film. And I have these spaces where I can go and be like, I actually need to get this thing out of me. So whether or not it's like directly... Um, my story or dealing with other people's stories because existing in the creative space really isn't about using an emotional currency Mm -hmm. you do learn to go actually how do I write about joy or pain or frustration Mm -hmm. or isolation so for me it felt like the the least that I could do in my craft and the thing that I can offer to these stories and the service that I can provide to the stories is figure out how do I then Um, tell your story Mm. and how do I tell your story with authenticity and how do I tell your story with the poetry that it has how do I find a way to describe your pain when you struggle to do that because not everybody in in this project is some type of creative that knows how to poetically talk about like their migration they don't Mm -hmm. so how can I best do that and like that's the thing that I came here to offer Mm. so it's been lovely like you know being able to sort of hear how people um, respond to what I've done and feel like, a, and, and when you hear someone go, oh my God, that's that's what you took from my experience. And you go, yeah, because the everydayness of your experience is incredible. Mm. Like there's, there's such a magnitude in your existence. It's just that I have done the crafting work and I've learned how to find those gems in your story. And you do matter. Mm. Cataloging your stories does matter. So let me offer that to you as part of the project. So I do genuinely kind of look forward to seeing like how they... Um, respond to like the whole project as a whole when you've got like the music and then the actors in it like it's mm-hmm. wonderful to feel like I'm seen yes that's beautiful in that process of crafting mm. uh, these pieces like what did you find easy and what did you find challenging I think that the, I can do the challenging one first <laughs> um, I think the challenging one is trying to find that balance um, with telling somebody's story and then also finding the kind of creative license because that was part of like what the 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 brief was because the the good thing about this project is that all of the original interviews are going to exist in an archive that'll Mm -hmm. go into like the Nottingham libraries Mm -hmm. so that will always be there Mm -hmm. and then what we then offer is like this meeting ground um, of both kind of like their interviews and then like being able to use like all of the creative tools that we have at our disposal to kind of tell like their stories. So for example, you know, we'll, we'll capture um, a section of somebody's story, which is about music. Mm. So then that becomes like kind of the underpinning thing. And you're able to then um, use music as kind of a thread throughout a story. Mm-hmm. So I think kind of for me, I was always so conscious about um, telling 
retelling somebody's story in a way that they still saw themselves in that. Yeah. And I think that's always like the battle, particularly like as a writer, when you're using something based on like research or like firsthand material and then trying to find your own kind of stamp within that space as well. Mm. Um, I think that the easiest thing for me was we, with a lot of the stories, I know with, with the place that they're talking about. Mm. So I know the feel of like blow eye, for example. Mm-hmm. And that's lovely to describe because that's me describing home. Mm. Um, and I love like being able to hear like accents mm-hmm. and how like accents kind of shift. So somebody will be here for like 40 years and you're, yeah, but I still hear like uh, chitungus in your voice. Oh. And that's really lovely to hear. So I've enjoyed that. Oh. I think I've really enjoyed getting to know and understand the Zimbabwean culture Mm. a bit more through this project and it's just also gorgeous hearing the accent Mm -hmm. and the the nuances of the different accents of the different people I think it's it's been lovely to hear and I hope everyone enjoys it when they when they have a listen yeah it's interesting about kind of the challenges that you're talking about it's something that I grapple with because I like working with true stories and and what's interesting I find is um, I always go back to this thought that it feels like there's a difference between truth and fact. Mm. There's a fact of what happened, but I think as creators, we can bring a truth yeah. out of uh, a story yeah. by presenting the drama of it mm. in a dramatic way. And that truth that we can present in that dramatic way can touch and move people and get people to understand and empathize yeah. with the true story. Yeah. Um, that's there. Yeah. Do you agree? Do you think that's I do, too, you know, because yeah. um, I think otherwise what you are then presenting is either kind of factual based, just to say drama then, like a documentary. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not the business that we're in. Mm. We're sort of in the, the storytelling business. Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting when you're utilising um, facts to tell a story or you're sort of telling something based on like a historical um event the balance in is like existing within the spaces of like the facts right yeah so we all know like what like the framework is you know let's say it's like you know the queen's birth and death we mm-hmm. know like what that story is mm-hmm. but can you tell us what happened specifically on a wednesday at 2 p.m mm-hmm. in 1963 Mm. So as long as you sort of don't completely like <laughs> edit her entire story, mm-hmm. there's space is in there when you go, actually, I can imagine what being there on a Wednesday in Buckingham Palace at 2 p.m. in 1963 could have been like. Mm. And I think those are things I find really interesting because I do genuinely love like research. Yes. And I do genuinely love going, okay, let me tell a story that exists in this gap over here, in this slither of time over here. And then let me tap into like what the feeling is could be here. Mm -hmm. And the space is like when you listen to, with this project in particular, like when you listen to people's um, stories. When somebody says a throwaway line under their breath, Mm. you go, oh, but there's truth in that. Yeah. And you're trying to avoid saying that bit because that bit's a painful bit. But then when you are a storyteller, (laughs) you go, oh, I heard that line. Yeah. And I hear the weight of that line. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to tap into that because then that gives us a wonderful framework and about who you are. Mm -hmm. So I I like finding like those gems in the stories. Oh, lovely. (laughs) Actually lovely. And um, so, yeah, like I, what I love about this project is that We have the interviews, which Mm. are the actual people talking about their experiences. And then we have these gorgeous dramatic pieces, which are about drawing the truth of um, those situations that were talked about. And 
allowing people to meet those stories in a way that they can empathize and mm. put themselves in those stories and Im- or imagine what it might be like to be these people. Yeah. Um, and that's what I really love about this project. How do you find um, that? How do you find um, audio sort of like elevates mm. like those those pieces of drama? Like mm. what does that medium offer? I think what's lovely about audio is that it's right in the ear of the listener. And so the listener is introduced to this world through their ears and can create and conjure up the pictures in their head. Mm. And what I love about directing it is that I can put all the ingredients in there uh, that allow people to create the picture in their head. And I love the specificity of that because I'm quite detail orientated. And, and then I love that the pictures in people's heads, there's also autonomy for that because people's, the pictures in people's heads are quite unique. So I might kind of put a, a, a ring in there, the sound of a, a phone ringing and someone's picture of that phone will be different from another person's picture of that phone. And I love that in audio drama, someone gets to have a sort of personal experience with the story that would definitely be different from another person's personal experience. Can we talk about the wonderful group of Zimbabwean actors? Oh, amazing. you found as part of this project. Yes, (laughs) it's been just amazing finding all these lovely voices Mm. and lovely actors. And what's great is that going forward, there is great like scope to yeah. to tell Zimbabwean stories because there are so many lovely actors from that heritage who can tell those stories authentically. Yeah, and so that's been a brilliant takeaway to this um, this project. How do you find, I guess, kind of working in the arts as a whole in terms of the stories that we do catalogue? Mm. Do you feel like there's still stories that we haven't yet platformed? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I wholeheartedly agree with the title of this project. We need new stories. Mm. Like I think there is still stories that are still told regularly. And the danger of that is that becomes the status quo. That becomes the way that people think about human beings or certain types of human beings. And as Black people, uh, I think we need to be able to tell our stories and 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 show that there is an intersectional sort of aspect to us. We're not all the same. There's so many aspects to our stories that are different and also similar. And the more stories that there are about us people, the more we are understood and the more hopefully in the world we are treated with more empathy, understanding and with more equality. And yeah. that's what we need. Well. Thank you very much for your work on the project. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you for writing this project. (laughs) And thanks to Fifth Word for producing this. It's been a pleasure. Um, One last question. Mm -hmm. What's your takeaway from this project? And what do you want the audience to take away from this project? Um, I think one of the biggest things is we're here. Like, we are here. Like, we have been in this country for a very long time. Mm. And why this project is is important is because it is cataloging that existence and kind of going back to your point about 
certain stories being told. And I think I think we, we spoke earlier about the notion of becoming black when you come here mm. and how for me, certainly like in being in Zimbabwe, I was so clear that I was Ndebele. Mm. Then I came to England and I became black. And that became so reinforced that, like, we didn't even talk about being Debele anymore, like the specifics of being Debele. And I think by doing this project, you realize, like, how important it is to be specific. Yes. Because that experience, that specific Zimbabwean experience that we'll talk about leaving Zimbabwe in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s to the present day is so particular to people's making. Mm. And we need to tell, like, what that history is. And mm. I remember so clearly um, being in high school the second time I came here and somebody recognizing me from nursery. And it was like that recognition that made me realize actually that I had history here mm. because I didn't think that I did. And I was like, oh, wow, no, I really do have history here. Mm -hmm. So I think certainly as a writer and thinking about the things that kind of get platformed like in this country, and when you, for example, like you go and you try to audition actors and then you get given a, a general African accent. And it's actually, mm. no, it, it is specific. Yes. You know, like the poetry, my voice is specific. Yeah. The way that I sound words is specific if we're talking about Zimbabwean-based stories. Mm -hmm. So I think being able to be a part of this project, having the participants have their stories be catalogued and they will always be there in the archives. And then having like this kind of creative element as part of the show it was really important. And then you have like, you know, the, the play, like we need new names, like all of that, like that Zimbabwean, specific Zimbabweanness. Yes. And how that sits within the scope of like this country. And you go, yes, but this is also the making of British society. Yeah. This is also the making Absolutely. of like British theatre. Like we have to tell these stories. Otherwise we go, actually our scope is all, is all in terms of kind of like the, the theatre sector, you go, the scope is always going to be either just West Indian stories or you go, it's just going to be just West African stories. You go, no, actually, there's so many more stories around here Absolutely. that we need to kind of tell. So I'm, I'm so glad we got to do it. Absolutely. That's wonderful. I love that. Reclaiming your own specificity. Yeah. Your own individuality, mm -hmm. you know, so that you can be seen, so that people are seen yeah. for who they are and their full complexity and individuality. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. This has been awesome. Lovely chatting with you, you and too. summing up our project in this way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this series, please share with others. All episodes of We Need New Stories are available on major listening platforms and on Fifth Word's website. Thank you.